Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum, and today we are going to be doing our top 10 goalies list, uh, but we also have some news to break down as this was a bit busier of a week than we've seen in a little while. Uh, one thing we missed right after we were recording last week, we do these a bit of ahead of time that they've been publishing, but I wanted to touch on it. It's a bit of a sadder note is uh, the passing of Colby Cave, who was in a medically induced coma from, uh, I believe it was brain bleeds, and then he passed away last week. Uh, there's not much to say about this that I really have anyways, but uh, it's just a sad situation all around. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing really we can say or add. It's not like we knew him personally or anything like that, but it's always sad to see. Yeah, uh, he was only 25 years old, so hopefully his family uh, and loved ones are coping well. And it's even more tough because they can't see each other in this time either. But uh, yeah, so with that being said, we'll move on to some lighter news. And uh, we have about four things to break down. Uh, I guess we'll start with the one that uh, just took place today as we're recording. We are recording on a Friday. I don't know when this will be coming out, but uh, it was just announced today that Dustin Bufflin and the Winnipeg Jets have mutually parted ways to terminate uh, his contract. Um, This isn't a huge surprise, I don't think. Um, Not to me, anyways. uh, No, I'm following it super close, but this does seem like the best outcome from afar, right? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like the relationship between the team and player, for whatever reason, was just fractured beyond uh, repair. And if uh, Bufflin wants to keep going with his NHL career, it looks like it'll be it'll be elsewhere. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, and he like he's gonna find a home. Like somebody's gonna sign Dustin Bufflin if he wants to play for sure. Um, sure. I guess I was assuming he wants to play. Yeah, you know, and and maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, who knows. But, uh, yeah, you know, so Winnipeg put out their thank you tweet for him, and he played 336 regular season games, or sorry, just games in total. I don't know why they titled it regular season and playoff games, just say games. But And at uh, 441 points in that time, countless um, massive hits, and, uh, you know, he he was a, I don't want to say like top, top defenseman, but he was a number one defenseman for a long time in this league, so... Yeah, I don't think he's a Norris guy, really, but he's been one of the better defensemen of the past decade or so. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, just judging through the replies, there's one or two salty people, but, uh, you know, uh, he there's a lot of people, Winnipeg fans who have been really happy uh, for what he did and brought to the team. Uh, you know, and that's good to see because I think that's really what it should be. He was the, the face of that franchise for, you know, the better part of a decade almost. Yeah, exactly. There weren't that many faces in Winnipeg when he showed up. No, uh, especially because they were just coming from Atlanta at the time, too, I believe, right? So, yeah. um, Actually, was it, he ever a thrasher? Um, Yes, he was for one year. Yeah, the first year he was. Uh, yeah, like, I always forget that he won a cup with the Chicago Blackhawks, Wasn't if I'm being like honest. Wine when he won the cup with them? Pardon? Wasn't he on, like, the fourth line or, like, a third-line right-winger when he won the Cup with the Blackhawks? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I know he was always one of those hybrid forwards you could get, hybrid forward defensemen you could get in fantasy hockey. Yeah, he's one of the rare... Him and Burns used to be. He hasn't been for quite some time, but... Yeah, um, yeah, I'd say Burns... And Bufflin hasn't been either for a while, but, you know, for a couple years back there he was. Um, Yeah, so other than that, I I don't know, we can... I feel like we'll have a lot of time to talk about stuff over the next month or two, so we can talk about uh, 
landing spots we'd like to see see him later if we uh, determine that he does want to keep playing hockey you know if those reports start coming out but I just figured we should touch on it and you know it's obviously uh, Winnipeg went through the season without him this year and it was tough but I think this is beneficial for both both sides uh buffling gets what he wants and the winnipeg jets can now have seven million in cap space that they don't need to worry about if he's coming back and they can figure out what to do with that yeah exactly obviously if they're you're the jets you want to get something for them but getting just free cap space again from a team that doesn't have a ton of wiggle room is i guess a good enough prize for them yeah, considering the the alternative rate or this whole past year was okay, we can't really we have seven million just sitting on or whatever seven and a half. I don't know even what his contract's at, but we have that sitting on the books or it's open on our books, but we can't use it because if we use it and then he comes back, we're absolutely screwed. So yeah, exactly. So they get some. They know exactly where that money's going. They don't have to just leave that as a giant question mark on their books. And Dustin Bufflin either gets to find somewhere to play or do whatever he wants with the rest of his life. Right off into the sunset, if he really likes. Um, okay, we got uh, three more pieces of news. I'm going to keep the two together after, but uh, this one's short again. I don't know much what we have to say on this, but uh, I just want to acknowledge Andre Markov, officially retired from hockey yesterday. Um, he had a long career with the Montreal Canadiens, and then he has spent the past couple years in Russia. Uh, I know he wanted to come back at some point, um, but... A couple years ago or a year or two ago, that just wasn't in the options for Montreal. They didn't feel it was right. Um, I always liked watching Markov play. He was just one of those like sturdy guys that was just solid and wasn't like amazing at anything by any means. But he was just a good player, even to his mid to late 30s. Yeah, he's another one who doesn't necessarily have to be like a Norris Trophy guy, but he's still been one of the more effective defensemen this decade. Yeah, exactly. And... Uh, he's just a guy who, you know, he, he never really seemed to command much. Like I remember even when he went to, um, to Russia, uh, was it two years or three years ago? Probably now. Um, it wasn't even like his contract demand seemed that bad. Like I think he was asking for three and a half million, which at the time, you know, yeah, it's always risky when he was, I think 38 at the time, but he was still playing like a number three defenseman, number three, number four guy. And, you know, the three and a half million really isn't that uh, outlandish of an ask, but it's just wild to see, uh, you know, he go back and he went. So he spent three years in Russia. Uh, his first year back in Russia, he was a 39 year old and he put up 42 points in 55 games. Yeah, I remember the final year he played in the NHL. He was actually still like bordering on a number one defenseman for me. And the fact that I forget exactly what he asked for, but it wasn't anything extreme. And Montreal just let him walk. I found to be a really, really strange thing because not only he was just a journeyman for them either. He had been there for forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was like the Montreal Canadian, or you know, one of, like the he he spent his whole career with Montreal, like uh, since two thousand two thousand one. Um, he played nine hundred ninety games with them, almost a thousand. Uh, so it, yeah, I don't know. It's uh good for him that he's uh retiring on his own terms, I guess. It kind of sucks that he didn't get uh, uh, another playoff run in the KHL to really go for it. I know they were playing playoffs at one point, but uh, they kind of got shut down. But, uh, yeah, good for him and a a great career for Andre Markov. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And then the last two pieces of news, we have some actual news, some signing news. Uh, The St. Louis Blues made two signings this past week. 
Uh, one was Sammy Blaze, and the other was Marco Scandella. Uh, so let's start with the bigger of the two. Marco Scandella gets a 3.275 per year deal for four seasons. Uh, Marco Scandella is 30 years old and is a le- left-handed defenseman. What are your thoughts on the signing, Chase? Um, Like, it wasn't a big enough contract that I was going to be like, oh, this is terrible, but... I don't know. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was smart, especially given a couple things. So to me, I think this probably means Alex Petrangelo's gone, right? Yeah, 100%. Between this and Falk, right? Yeah. And like the weirdest thing, and maybe that these moves signal that they just didn't think Petrangelo was going to resign regardless, but like like Falk's getting six and a half and Scandella's getting 3.275. Now Bowmeister's money's coming off the cap, which is fine. But like right there is almost $10 million. You think would probably be enough for Alex Petrangelo if you really wanted to re-sign him. Yeah. Now that being said, I'm not sure re-signing him would have been the smart thing to do at age 30. Like, yeah, like Petrangelo wants, right? Yeah, like, I've been thinking about that, too, and I mean, like, I I, I say, we did our top 20 defensemen last week, and, you know, I had Carlson 10, and you still had him 3 just because of priors, but, like, the Doughty contract looks absolutely awful, the Burns contract doesn't look good, Uh, the Carlson contract easily could look bad in two or three seasons if he, you know, if if he can't get healthy, or even if just natural regression takes place, but, like, that's kind of the thing you have to take uh, with Petrangelo here, too, is, like, we both had Petrangelo, I think, in our top five defensemen last week. I had him one. I think you had him, was it three or four? I had him five or six. I forget exactly. Yeah. But so, like, like so it's, with St. Louis, it's one of those things where you really have to, to decide between. It's like with Petrangelo, do you want to take the risk of letting a legitimate top ten defenseman walk on the free market? Or do you want to accept that you're going to get hit with a bad cap hit in a number of years, but hope that keeping him keeps your cup window open two or three more years? Yeah, it's kind of a tough call. Usually NHL teams defer to just paying their guy, too, which is why if they do let Petrangelo walk, it's going to be really weird. But I guess St. Louis has done it in the past with... uh, I guess they traded Shattenkirk, but they just let yeah. him walk too when he was their captain. Yeah, they haven't been afraid to trade guys or move on from guys when they feel that they don't have a fit. So, like, it wouldn't be shocking, I guess. It's just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think the idea of giving two other defensemen money to make up for your one really good defenseman leaving is the worst thing in the world. I just don't think Justin Falk and Marco Scandella are the two guys I would have done it for. No, and, like... Scan. I like the Scandella contract better than the Falk one, but the Falk the Falk length really bites it. Like it's seven years. Yeah, very much so. And like at least like Scandella's pretty good defensively. I just don't. Maybe I'm wrong here. I'm completely misjudging the Scandella market. But like his biggest talent is even strength defense, which doesn't correlate to salary at all. So like. I don't really know why the four like that term was necessary or anything like that. Yeah, and in a in a market like this summer, like I I don't know, like again, this will be something we can talk about later. But I just don't see people really going out and spending the money they usually would in free agency this year, just because if the cap stays the same or even goes down, I don't think it'll go down. I think it'll probably stay exactly where it is, but like that affects teams plans. I don't think they're going to be tossing around money like crazy. I just don't see why you needed to give him 
three and a half million almost over four four years like yeah exactly i was uh i was listening or i am currently listening to a book on the philadelphia 76ers and they talk about how pissed off agents were that one of the that when the 76ers tanking it took away one of the clients for their teams and this just riled agents up this a flat cap for potentially multiple years is going to take away way more than one team in terms of the free agency bidding pool for the big fish. So like, I, I don't see how there's going to be that much money tossed around. There's not going to be that many people in the market. Yeah. I think if anything, like most of these 3.275 contracts, you'd see guys get handed out in free agency are going to be closer to one and a half or 2 million on one or two year deals while they, you know, reset the market a little bit and get ready for, you know, a bounce back eventually down the road. Yeah, exactly. Like there's six teams within a hundred grand of the cap. Obviously, salaries are going to come off the books and whatnot. But like, there's so many teams so close to the cap. There's going to be a lot fewer teams in the market. So I can't imagine it's going to be a big summer for free agents. I don't think these three two five contracts are going to look as big as they would have otherwise. No, exactly, and that's why I just I don't really understand why you had to get it done right now. But I mean, I don't know. I think. Scandella's is kind of having a bit of a career year too at age 30. That's a little bold, but I mean a little, a lot bold, but you know, it's not like they absolutely gave him the bag. It's just, I don't know the term. If this would have been this cap hit at one or two years, I think I would have been what much more comfortable with this. Yeah, I completely agree. And you could actually see if he signs this for a one year deal on July 1st, you can see analytics, Twitter posting their RAPM charts and, uh, isolated threats with the big defensive impact he has and being like wow what a savvy signing but four years seems like a little much for me yeah exactly especially at his age too um and the other contract they made was samuel blaze uh two years i believe 1.5 million per year there's not much to say about this contract i don't think it's fine i mean like i don't know yeah it's I am surprised Samuel Blaze had enough bargaining power to get above variable. Yeah, I don't know. Like he, he's pretty good at it. Like when with him on in his own end, St. Louis doesn't give up a ton, and I don't know. He's just a fine bottom six guy. Like I don't really think there's much to to say. Like maybe I'm surprised it's more more than one million, but. At the same time, I think it's also reading into the kind of the, oh, you want a cup with us, so here's a few extra dollars on the side, which isn't really smart, but or isn't smart in general. But, I mean, at 1.5, I think it's probably fair enough value for what he brings. Yeah, I still don't think it's a bad contract. Like, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable. I was just a little surprised he had the negotiating power to get above variable, but good for him. I don't think the Blues got fleeced. I don't think he's or he flees the blues or anything like that this seems just kind of fair enough for a decent bottom sixer yeah exactly and i should say for um the marco scandela contract the evolving hockey uh the the evolving wild twins on evolving hockey have all their contract project projections out and they nailed the mark with uh the scandela one it was i think 100k off for the four-year term so uh maybe we shouldn't be that surprised as to what he got i'm just more surprised on the term more than the aav i think yeah, and something that would worry me about nailing the contract, like we said, there should, in theory, be a lot less demand for free agents this summer, assuming the salary cap is flat. So, like, nailing pre 
COVID-19 salary expectations might actually end up being an overpay by the time things are all said and done. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so do we want to get into our top 10 goalies list then? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right, perfect. So I'll start off, as always, with honorable mentions. Uh, we only did 10 goalies just because, you know, we did 20 because we're combining the wingers and defensemen, but for goalies, we figured 10. I have a ton of honorable mentions here. I have three kind of groupings of them, really. Uh, the first three are just guys I feel that we really don't have a big enough sample size on. Um or first two, I should say, more, uh, and that is Elvis and Tristan Jari, uh, both guys who played amazing this year, but really we don't have more than, I think, 40 or 50 games, if that, for Elvis. I don't even think we have that for him. Uh, yeah. So it's just kind of hard to to put him in a group with that. Yeah, I completely agree. This is the only, not that sample size doesn't matter for forwards and defensemen, but the argument he plays a lot, I think, is a pretty terrible one for them, whereas for goalies, it's almost a necessity to have them on the list. Yeah, exactly. And then so that's what we kind of get to the next three for the honorable mentions is they just didn't really play enough because they're tandem starters or whatever. And that for me is Hudobin, Grice, and Halak. Uh, all three of those guys, I think you could make an argument if you're just looking at raw numbers you could put somewhere, but their game's played and just... Like, I don't know, they're, they're kind of, they're clearly the 1B, I think, on most of their teams. Grice, you could maybe argue, is uh, 1A, but I would also argue his system probably takes away from that a little bit. Um, that's why I just have them just outside the list here. Yeah, that's 100% fair. I had Kemper, Bennington, and Grubauer also in that. I'm not sure we have enough data on them tier, although I did have Halak on my list. Okay, so I have Kemper on my list, um, and then I also have Price and Ranta as my two honorable mentions that I thought. I think Price, for what it's worth, uh, he's obviously not the top three goalie that everyone in mainstream media seems to think he still is. Uh, but that being said, I think he still probably is like the 15th-ish best goal. Like he's He's been fine and goal saved above average the past two or three seasons. Yeah, he's still good. I had Flurry instead of Price as my guy, who's probably overrated by the public, but like... Still plugging along. He's still a good enough goalie. Yeah, that's fair. I had him just off my list. He's one of those, he really struggled. It's tough because, like, I found a lot of guys that we normally would have said are, you know, off the top of our list are struggled this year. Um, and that just kind of makes it a little more difficult to judge, okay, what do you take? Do you do you hope that it's just a, an off year? Uh, you know, I, we were talking before we started recording. You said this was the easiest list to make, but you're the least confident in it. And I feel the exact same way. Yeah, like, uh, my... I have two guys in my top eight that were, like, actively terrible this year. Yeah, I mean, like, I have a couple guys who are just, like, yeah, like, I have one in my top five who I really could, see, you know, if he plays again like this next year, I don't think he'll be in my top ten, quite honestly. So, yeah, uh, so. yeah, so that being said, did you get all your honorable mentions or do you have any more? I grew Bauer, too. I don't think I mentioned him yet. Okay, yeah, you, you just brought up his name, but you didn't really talk about him. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, he's one of those guys where definitely, I don't know uh, if his uh, amount of games played has really shown enough, as you said. So that's, I think, fair place to kind of have him. Yeah. Also, Crawford, I don't really know if we still, like, is Crawford going to be an NHL goalie going forward? Um, I think the Blackhawks plan is to keep him. I Like, that's probably why they traded Leonard, right? Yeah, he's just, he's a weird, he's been pretty solid the past little while. It's just, I never really know how to process him. 
yeah, he's been super hurt too, which is tough to, you know, evaluate for a goalie as well. But, uh, and then two other guys, these aren't on my honorable mention, but I figured that, you know, guys we don't really have enough sample size on again is Mackenzie Blackwood and Carter Hart that have both been pretty solid the past two years. You know, maybe not Hart, I think is probably a little overrated right now, but uh, Mackenzie Blackwood was really a part of the Devils. I don't want to say revival this year because that makes it sound like they did something, but the Devils not being a bottom one team or two team. Yeah, because it looked like they were trending that way with Detroit. And then all of a sudden, Blackwood just harnessed this elite goalie out of nowhere. And, yeah, I mean, good for him. He was great in the second half-ish of the season. And hopefully for his sake and the Devils, he carries that on for 2020, 2021. Yep, exactly. Okay, so we'll start my list. For number 10, I actually had a guy that you had on your honorable mentions. I had Jordan Bennington. Uh, I have them 10 just kind of because of what you said of the sample size. I'm not really sure if there's enough. That being said, you come in and you backstop a team to a cup. I'm going to have at least a little bit of consideration for you. Um, I think he is probably – it's weird. I feel like he's maybe overrated in terms of what mainstream media thinks of him, but also underrated in what, you know, people who like to go against that think of him. Like, I think he's just probably – one of those guys where he's like a 10 to 15 kind of goalie, but that's all that the St. Louis Blues need. Yeah, that's 100% reasonable. I didn't have him on. I used kind of Matt Murray as my, not horror story, because it's not like Murray's been a train wreck or anything, but like cautionary tale as to why I don't have Bennington on my list yet. Because you could have made a lot of the same arguments about Murray, but now looking back, I like we're, we don't discuss him in the top 10. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that's why, I mean, even going into last year, you know, uh, we I think last summer, me and you were kind of like, okay, you got to be careful with what kind of contract you hand this guy, because if it's if it's a big contract, you're really going to be screwing yourself, uh, or you could be screwing yourself. Um, you know, and he got a two-year deal at 4.4, which I think was pretty reasonable, um, all things considered. And he's been fine this year. I don't know. Like, He's not a top five goalie by any means, but he's just kind of been what St. Louis needs, and that's, you know, the 10 to 15-ish kind of goalie right now. Yeah, they didn't necessarily need Pete Carey Price out of him or anything. They just need him to not suck, essentially, and that's what what he's done. Yep, exactly. Uh, So who did you have 10? I had Jacob Markstrom. Okay, so I have him at 9, just a spot up from you. Um, You can go ahead with this one. Yeah, he's kind of a tough... I maybe bought into a trend more than I maybe should, but, like, he's been trending upwards the last little while, which was capped off with an amazing season last last year where he could have been, I don't know, he probably wouldn't have won the Vesna or anything, but you could have argued him close at least. So I just felt, yeah, he was better than a yeah. lot of guys last year, so. Yeah, this past season or this season, whatever you want to classify it, if you consider this one still going, uh, it was quite... Uh, the, the stunning trend to see what uh, Vancouver looked with him in the net and then without. Uh, when he went down with an injury, they just, they went in a tailspin. You know, Demko couldn't step up and it was just a bit of a mess. And it showed how really important he is to that team. And that's why I kind of have him maybe buying in on a trend too, where it's like he was really good this year. He was pretty solid last year. And then a couple years ago, he just definitely wasn't, wouldn't have been anywhere near any of these lists. But like, I don't know, like with goaltending, it's so hard to judge where it's like, I definitely don't want to just do this season, but you also have to kind of, I think, really give in to the past year or two because we've seen so often it could be uh, guys who, you know, just are totally shot after a year or two. Yeah, exactly. And it's weird because, like, so Braden Holtby's a guy 
who has more goals saved. I've been using a four-year sample, extending from the usual three because goalies are weird. But, like, I don't have Braden Holtby on my list, and yet if he just shook around where his years happened, his argument would look way better than Markstrom if you just randomize the order in which their past four seasons had happened. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, Before we go any further, I want to ask, do you have Sergei Bobrovsky on your list? I do, quite high. Okay, Uh, I have him off more because I forgot about him, if I'm being quite honest, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Okay, fair enough. Um, Okay, and then, so who did you have at nine? I had Markstrom. I had Halak. Halak, okay, yeah, so that's fair. He was just one of those guys where it's like, I really wanted to put a couple of those uh, tandem starters on, but, like, I have Rask on my list here, and I think you could probably just put Rask slash Halak because... They really feel like the same guy some days, um, but I don't know. It's He's one of those guys where he's clearly the 1B on his team, and maybe that's not his, you know, there's nothing he can really do about that, but he's right on the edge. It's just his game's played, and, uh, you know, just overall usage for his team is what kind of just took him off the list a little bit for me. Yeah, that's reasonable. I actually have Rask just one ahead of him. Like, I don't think... Like, they're not going to be near the top of my list because neither of them are even a starting goalie, necessarily. Yeah, that's fair. I have Rask uh, 8 here, so I have him, I guess, the same spot as you, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know, they're, they're both very, very good. They obviously play in front of a pretty solid, or a very solid team, but, you know, they're also both very strong goalies. It's not like they're only a system of what they uh, bring. Exactly, and for Halak's case, at least, it's nice to see him do it in multiple places. Yeah, for sure. You know, he hasn't just been doing it in Boston, and, you know, I I think for Rask, and we'll talk about both of them just because they're so similar in terms of their numbers and everything, but for Rask, it it felt like a couple years ago, you know, the media was trying to run him out of town, and now I think the story's kind of flipped on him. Yeah, was he not, like, one of the Vesna winners in... I'm pretty sure I saw something about him winning the Vesna this year. Oh, yeah, he would have been one of the, I think, uh, top, maybe not, I don't know, It depends. it's always so hard to determine how GMs are going to vote on it, but I think just given how good of a team Boston is, they usually just look at that starting goalie and go, okay, he can be voted for, so I think he would have probably been top five this year, maybe top three. Yeah, exactly, and I definitely do remember, it wasn't that long ago where it felt like trade Rask was like a, like the trendy thing to say in Boston. Oh, yeah, all the fans still, I don't even know if it's trend. like, uh, all the fans just thought it was, oh, because I always remember one of the, I think it was two or three years ago, it was when Ottawa was playing, it would have been 2017, it was when Ottawa was playing Boston in the uh, first round. Um, Rask, he would make four amazing stops, but then let one in that wasn't great, or one in that was a three-on-one, and you'd go on Twitter and you'd see a whole bunch of Boston fans go, trade Rask, he sucks, it's like, okay, I don't really know if you can blame that on him but sure and that's kind of how I actually I think got introduced to Pete Blackburn because he was one of the Tuka Rask defenders for a long time I think yeah that's one of the he's those are one of the few Boston Bruins based articles that I would click on a little while ago because he was pushing back on that yeah 100 percent so uh yeah I don't have much more to say unless you do on either of those guys no I don't think so Okay, my number seven is Darcy Kemper. Uh, I think you can absolutely make the argument you made that we just don't have enough of a sample size, uh, which is fair. Uh, that being said, over the past two years, I think he's been like top of, top three in goal saved above average. Uh, 
he's just been unreal when he's been able to play. Um, he's second. Uh, the, the one guy is ahead of him. I, I have pretty high on my list, and we'll get to him later. But he has 40 goals saved above average over the past two seasons. Uh, but again, I, I think sample size is definitely a worry here because before two years ago, he had, I think, 10 games played or 22 in his highest season. So, Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of a hypocrite now, actually. I don't have Kemper on my list, but I have Ranta one spot above where you have Kemper, even though you could make all of the same arguments for them. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Ranta, for me, again, he was right on my honorable mentions where, you know, I want him in the top 10, but he's been hurt so much lately that it's just like, it's so hard to judge what he would have done with more playing time, I think. And, you know, to, to my thing as well, like Kemper has been, he was hurt again this year too, but, you know, last year Ranta played 12 games and 33 this year, so... At least Kemper, we have, you know, 54 and I think 29 in the past two years. But again, they're very similar in that, like, they're both very solid goalies when they play, but sample size is a bit of an issue. Yeah, exactly. Their kind of past four seasons are almost like reverses of each other. Like, Ranta was amazing in the first two of those seasons, and then Kemper's got the bigger sample size, who's been amazing in the more recent two. Yep, and uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you kind of wish for both of them to have a clean bill of health because it would be really interesting to see what they could do um, and see how the playing time would get divided then. But uh, that just hasn't happened. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, Kemper's been so good when he's playing the past two years that I I just had a hard time not putting him somewhere on that list, but that's definitely what stopped him from being much higher. Yeah, that's 100% reasonable. I flipped them more because of the longer sample, and I think – Ranta's rel- numbers relative to expectations are a little better, but I could easily buy an argument for flipping them just because of how old the information is on Ranta. For sure. Um, so who did you have at seven then if you had Ranta six? This is my first guy on this list who was like actively horrible this year, Freddie Anderson. Okay, I had him five, and I didn't even really want to put him five. I just wasn't sure if I could... I was I wasn't sure. We'll get to my six in a second, but yeah, I have Anderson five, and again, if he plays like he did this year, I don't think he'll be on the list next year. But it's just more of a betting over longevity thing for me than it is this year. Yeah, exactly. Like Freddie Anderson was maybe the most consistent goalie in the league coming into this year. Of the oh, absolutely. Season. I would say probably that on this dot. I mean, he was always he's never been like a top two or three goalie. He's always just kind of been like the number five goalie in the league, but you can rely on him to be exactly that. Yeah, exactly. It's almost too bad for him because like he's like, he never really got Vesna love and I don't think he ever really deserved it. But then if you sorted by war over like a three year sample, all of a sudden he's like first or second in the entire league because of how consistent he was. Yep. And it's like, yeah, and exactly. So it's like, if you had a, an award where it's like, who's been the best goalie over the past three years, I think Anderson would be in that all the time, but it's, you don't do that. And that's fine. It's just, you know, like if you look at his save percentages going all the way back to Anaheim, here's what it's been since he got in the league, 923, 914, 919, 918, 918, 917. And then this year is a 909. So he took a dip this year, but for three years in Toronto, he went 918, 918, 917. And in Anaheim, he was a 919 the year before he got traded. So he's just been so consistent where it's like, this is one of the few guys I feel very, very comfortable on betting that he might, he will return to at least somewhat of his form, even if it's not that top four or five goalie, because he is getting older. But like, even if he's say the eighth best goalie or ninth best goalie next year, I feel more comf- comfortable in that than assuming he's just going to be garbage next year. 
Yeah, 100%. And anything's possible. But if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm feeling very comfortable betting on Freddie Anderson next year. 100%. Uh, Do you have any more to say on Anderson? No. The other thing that would worry me, you could kind of spin it as like a decline based on workload. I don't know how much I would buy that. But given how many shots he does face, it's it's maybe a little more likely than for a league average goalie. That's true. Uh, One of the things I wonder if that helps him is hopefully you can get Jack Campbell in the net a little bit more next year, who has been fine. Like, I don't think Campbell's the savior or anything. He's not going to push for the starting job. But if Campbell can be reliable enough for, let's say, even 25, maybe 30 games, 25 probably even would be good enough where you can get Frederick Anderson down to about 60 games played or whatever, just under maybe. I think that would be very beneficial for him. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think Campbell's the savior or anything either, but the bar is so low since Garrett, like Garrett Sparks and Michael Hutchinson placed that bar so far under the ground that Campbell doesn't have to be that great to hop right over it. Yeah. And even McElhaney, like, it's not like he played a ton, like he played enough, but I don't know. Like he, I'm, I'm just trying to find his numbers right now. He had, like, strangely amazing numbers, even though nobody was ever confident in him, ever. He was good, he was, but, like, so, obviously. yeah, but in his two years in Toronto, and this is what I mean, he had very, very strong numbers. His first year with Toronto, he had 914 save percentage, second year, 934, which is unbelievable. But it was in 14 and 18 games, because Babcock didn't trust to put him in in many of the high-leverage games, unless he absolutely had to, because Anderson was hurt. Um, so that's one of the things where it's like, even when they had a good backup, their coach didn't trust him enough to play. Yeah, exactly. And Curtis McElhaney, it was kind of became a mockery on Twitter because everybody ripped on them claiming him and then he was really good. But the guy was maybe the worst goalie in the league over like a decade long sample. I will 100% be okay with Mike Babcock not trusting him as a result of that. Yeah, exactly. But now you have a guy with Jack Campbell who has actually had a couple year span of being Fine, you know, not amazing by any means, but good, um, and especially good as a backup. And you can now hopefully get uh, some rest for Anderson. And, you know, even this rest right now might hopefully help his body and heal this year, and he might be coming back next year stronger than ever. Yeah, exactly. And just basic regression to his previous mean. I, I expect big things out of Anderson again next year. Yep, I would totally agree with that. Uh, okay, so my number six, I had Connor Hellebuck. Uh, this is a guy where he has been unreal this year, but I, I I try not to lean too heavily into this year if I could, but I don't know. Like, he's been so good this year that I had to have him definitely in the top six, but last year he wasn't bad by any means. He just was nowhere near what he has been this year. Yeah, what was it? This year and then two years ago he was really good, correct? Yeah, yeah. Two years ago, he was very, very good. Last year, he took a big step back, and then this year, he's been very, very good again, too. So I think he's kind of right in that range where maybe I I should have had Anderson 6 and Hellebuck 5, but he's kind of right in that range of, you know, you could put either of these guys anywhere. Yeah, I was a little bit higher on Hellebuck, but I think anywhere around here is pretty fair. Yeah, where did you have him? Uh, four. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I think there's a real argument to be made for a lot of the guys on even the top of this list. I don't feel very confident about like the four guys on the top of my list. I think it just depends what you value. You could put either one of them anywhere. And Hellebuck's kind of in that argument, too, where it's like he's clearly been one of the best goalies in the league over the past couple of years. But 
Yeah, I'm confident in one spot on this list, and it was number one. And other than that, a lot depends on, like, cutoff dates and how you weigh sort of goal saved above average, goal saved above expected, war. Like, there's a whole bunch of factors after that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So who did you have at number five, then? I had Anderson. I had Robin Leonard. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I had him at uh, number three. So I guess I'm just a little higher. I don't know. I think what he... For me, uh, you know, I was not totally sold on his time in New York uh, because uh, all the goalies who played in New York under Barry Trotz was, were amazing. But when he went to Chicago and played in what might have been the worst decor in the league behind that and still put up amazing numbers, I had a hard time not putting him in my top three. Yeah, I could buy an argument for him up there. The other fun thing with Chicago is not only does their decor suck, but their two best forwards aren't particularly good defensively either. Are there two big name forwards at least? Kane's actively terrible, and Taze is definitely not what he used to be either. Like, there's no defensive help in that Chicago system. No, not at all. And uh, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, I really, it's a shame, you know, we haven't talked about this much. I do want to see the playoffs come back if it's safe for everyone this year, but if it gets to a certain point, you just kind of have to cancel it. But one of the things I was really excited to see was him behind the Vegas team. In just in general, because they're a very good team at suppressing shots, like an underrated team, I think, at suppressing shots against. Yeah, it was going to be really interesting to see him play with an actual defense again, but not that New York Islanders were only playing defense system. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, it's a bit of a shame that uh, that didn't happen. But uh, that's, yeah, I definitely have him. I mean, you have him high, too. It's not like five is saying anything um, bad about him. I think... Over the past couple of years, he's just been so good that, you know, three is where he kind of landed on this for me. Yeah, that's fair. And he's another one. Consistency is pretty hard to come by, but he's been reasonably consistent, what, two years, three years now? Yep. Yep. So, and I mean, even in Buffalo, uh, he wasn't like elite. He definitely wasn't a top five goalie, but there were some bad, bad Buffalo teams he was on where he played very fine. Like he was, he had reasonable enough numbers. Yeah, I remember he had like a 9.23 on the Sabres one year, and I was like, this guy might actually be something if he went somewhere else. Yep, exactly. And it's funny, um, can you name how many teams Robin Leonard has played for in his NHL career? Oh, God. Ottawa, Buffalo, Islanders, Chicago, and then, I don't know. And Vegas. Yeah, so five. I was wondering if you would forget about Ottawa, where he's actually had played parts of five years there, because it feels like so long ago that I don't think many people even know he played for Ottawa. I can't picture him in a Senators jersey. I just know they drafted him. Uh, he So uh, there's some fun Robin Leonard stories, but it was like, yeah, he was supposed to be like the goalie of the future. It's funny, they had both him and Ben Bishop, who I also have very high on this list, and they traded both of them away for... Corey Conacher, I think they got Colin White out of the Leonard trade, and uh, some other depth forward who was fine for their 2017 playoff run. But uh, it's uh, pretty sad to look back on what they had now. Yeah, it's like the modern day, well, not modern day, but even more recent Luongo and Schneider situation in Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. But the weird thing for them is neither of the goalies they traded away turned to be good right away. It took them like... Like, Ben Bishop didn't become good until he was, like, 30 almost, or 28, which you just don't see all that often. Yeah, he broke out in Tampa, and then everybody kind of expected him to fall off really quickly, and he just kept doing his thing in Dallas. Yep. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, Robin Leonard's, and then the the one thing, the thing I picture Robin Leonard in a Sens uniform all the time is they're playing a game against Montreal, and I think they were up three or four nothing with, like, 
not a lot of time, like 10 minutes left in the third, and they blew it, and they lost it in overtime. I think they lost 4-3 in overtime, and Robin Leonard just lost his mind. He thought he got interfered with on um, two of the goals against, I think, the, the tying goal and the game-winning goal, and he just, like, smacked his stick against the post and then went screaming at the ref, and Robin Leonard's a scary-looking dude, but those are really funny highlights if you ever time to look them up. Yeah, him and Rask have some pretty good freak-out videos on YouTube. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, Robin Leonard's, uh, he's definitely an interesting case study, and as a Sens fan, it's very sad to see how good he has uh, been since leaving Ottawa, or, you know, how good he's become, uh, thinking of what they had, but yeah, he's his, his play has definitely shown that he is a top five goalie in the league, I think, undisputedly at this point. Yeah, exactly. He's just done uh, it so many places that... Yeah, exactly. Um, he's just been good all over the map. Uh, so who did you have at number four, then? Uh, that was my Hellebuck. Hellebuck, okay, right. Um, so am I missing... And you had Leonard five, okay. So Hellebuck four, yeah, that's fine. Like, again, six and four really is not much of a difference here. Especially not with goalies. No, not at all. Um, so you have your four through ten done now, correct? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, I have... I had Andre Vasileski at four. Really? Yeah. Um, he's one of those guys where I feel like he's pretty overrated in mainstream media. Like, I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see the top of your list here. Um, but, uh, yeah, with Vasilevsky, like, he's been good. Like, he, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think most people would say he's the best goalie in the league right now, and I just don't think that's the case. I think you could make an argument, but I just don't think that's the case. Like, he's been fifth in the past two years for goal saved above average, and I believe when you take that a third year back, he is fourth. So it's like he's kind of right around there, but I don't know. I think his team... Really, he's got so much talent on his team where it's like, I do think that even the numbers we have to try and adjust for that maybe play a bit of a part. And I know people who say, who watch him every game, say he makes the big save, quote unquote, or whatever, or bails them out. But like, come on, any save's a big save. Like, if you let in any goal, it's a goal. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, Garrett Hole had a tweet, I think it was him today, like, what's better than making a game-saving stop at to keep the game 7-6 to six is just winning the game by four goals because it was only seven to three in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't know. So that's kind of why I have him. Like, do you, I'm assuming you have him higher on your list? No, I don't have him on my list. Oh, Jesus. Okay, that, see, that is shocking to me. So if you, he's a interesting case study for what statistics you use. So if I, I like to color code things for these lists. So I have, Goal saved above expected per 2,000 shots, and then goalies with a reasonable sample size. If you sort that highest to lowest, the goalies with really low on this list all have really, really low save percentages and goals saved above average, except for Andre Vasilevsky. He sticks out like a sore thumb because he's the only goalie with good superficial statistics despite grossly underperforming his expected goals. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I don't know. I think not top 10 is a bit of a stretch, just given that, I don't know, like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I have him too high, but I don't know. Not top 10, I think, is more shocking than having him in the top five. But I, that being said, I don't really think he's a top two or three goalie. No, I wouldn't really buy an argument he's, like, an elite goalie. You can, like, he has stopped the puck at a reasonable enough great like you can definitely see why people are so high on him he's stopped the puck and he's won hockey games yeah he's done it for so long too where it's just like 
I don't know. Like, there's definitely something to buy in for team rates. But, like, if you go back all the way four years now, he leads the league in goal saved above average. So it's like at that point, it's like, okay, well, if he can do this consistently enough, I think there's definitely you got to consider the fact that uh, his team is also very good. But, like, it's been like five years running where he's the top five in goal saved above average. And I think that says something at least. Yeah, it's definitely worth noting. He's a he's the most dramatic diff. Like his goal saved above average over the past four years is above John Gibson, but then his goal saved above average is like a hundred lower or expected. Sorry, is a hundred lower than John Gibson's. Like he's such a hard guy to gauge because depending on what you're looking at, he can look wildly different. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel more comfortable putting him in the four to seven ish range maybe than off my list. But it definitely, definitely depends what you're using in terms of, and you know, we, it's weird because we don't really have a huge case study of what would happen if another goalie played 60 some odd games behind this Tampa team, because, you know, it, let's say Vasilevsky got hurt and I don't know, maybe Curtis McElhaney had to step in or I don't even know is Louis Domingue their backup or did he trade up? Did they trade him? I don't even know who their backup is at this point. But I know let's say somebody playing last year who was bad. Yeah, so let's say they step in and they play 35 games. If they do very poorly behind the Tampa Bay defense, I think you could use that for Vasilevsky's favor and say, okay, yeah, see, there's maybe something here. But if they play just as well as Vasilevsky did, it's like, okay, maybe you shouldn't be paying this goalie $9.5 million, which, for the record, I still think is pretty unreasonable for any goalie. But I guess bet on a 25-year-old for that, but... Yeah, you can see why they bet on him. It's it's too bad because you would really need to see multiple other people in that context over long samples to get a true gauge on Vasilevsky, but we are never going to get that. No, very, very likely not, unless he gets hurt or something. And at that point, I think the point would become moot because if he's hurt for two years at a time, I don't think he's going to be the goalie he is now. So, Yeah, exactly. And it is Curtis McElhaney, who's their backup currently, just for the record. That <laughs> speaks lengths to how much uh, I pay attention to that position for Tampa, though, because I, I knew the two guys that were there at one point, but I couldn't remember where Domingue went. Yeah, I think it was Domingue. It maybe wasn't. Whoever it was last year had, like, terrible numbers, but he still just kept winning games because they're the Tampa Bay Lightning. I believe it was Domingue, yeah. Um, okay, so who did you have at three, then? I have Bob. Bob, okay, yeah. See, I don't have him on my list somewhat because I just kind of forgot. And then uh, the other was because he's been absolutely atrocious this year. And to be totally honest, he wasn't amazing last year. He was very good in the playoffs. But, like, if you look at his whole year numbers, they weren't, like, stunning either. He was above average, but, like, he wasn't the Bob that uh, we know from four or five years ago. No, he wasn't amazing. He's a really good – because he was definitely, like, terrible this year. It felt – kind of gross having him this high because of how bad he was this year. But he's a really interesting case study. I think a lot of our perception on goalies gets warped by the fact that we use wins above replacement to evaluate players and then goal saved above average to evaluate goalies. So basically that means if you're in the 40th percentile as a player, you're actually still generating quote-unquote value. Whereas if you're in the 40th percentile as a starting goalie, all of a sudden your statistics over a long period of time get punished really, really heavily. So, like, Bob's still third in war the past three years. 
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like three years ago, he was unreal. I guess it just depends with a goalie who is 30 and has had multiple lower body injuries. What do you put into stock? Do you want to bet on the fact that he like he was a peak Bob, I think, was just as good. Maybe even if you consider the length, maybe you could make an argument for better than Pete Carey Price. Like, that's how yeah, damn good I, he was. He was. Yeah, like, there was, like, a four- or five-year run stretch where he probably could have had three or four Vesnas and maybe even a Hart Trophy somewhere in there. Yeah, exactly. He, his peak didn't last nearly as long, so he's never going to be on these team of the decade lists or whatever. But, like, you could probably put his top two or three seasons up against Henrik Lundqvist, and it would stack up reasonably well. Yeah, like, he was that good. So it's like, with that, it's just like, do you want to bet that he is going to get somewhere closer to that? Or are you worried that he is, maybe not even what he was this year, because I think this year was an extreme outlier. Like, he was, I can't explain, he was garbage this year. He was so bad. And I get that Florida's defense score and just the way they played wasn't very helpful. But he was also just letting in muffins from all over the ice at times, too. Yeah, exactly. And also, when he was good in Columbus, they weren't like a train wreck or anything, but it's not like everybody, anybody was talking about how easy it is to play behind those elite 2016-17 Columbus Blue Jackets. No, yeah, definitely. It's not like they were an amazing defensive team by any means. They weren't garbage, but yeah, like he was very good. But yeah, so it just depends if you want to bet on, you know, three to five years of da- data or, you know, this past year where he was garbage. And last year, again, I think it was just kind of like, closer to league average last year. He really picked it up at the end of the year and we saw what he was, but at the start, he really struggled. So I think if you use on aggregate for last year, he was kind of like the the 15th best goalie or whatever, and then got real hot come playoff times. Yeah, exactly. That would be another interesting thing that might change your list a lot if you included playoffs. I actually wonder if we, sh- because of how noisy goalies are, I wonder if we should include playoff numbers more often just to increase the sample size. Yeah, maybe. I think it would be fine, but I also think that just adding, I don't know, like 12 games to four or five goalies' resumes per year, I don't like. I just don't know how much it would do. No, it'd be interesting. I have no idea, to be honest. It might just make the list a lot noisier and worse, to be honest, but maybe the increased sample size would help if we did it more often. I don't really know. Yeah, I definitely think one thing's for sure is that I don't put much stock into he's a playoff performer. I think that's kind of... There's some very, very rare cases, I think, where you can say, like, if it's been, like, eight years and one guy just shits the bed every year in the playoffs, you can say, okay, maybe there is something to it where it's, like, he can't handle pressure as well. But even then, I think so much is more luck than anything else. Yeah, that's the problem when people talk about clutch or whatever, and it's nerds usually push back and say it doesn't exist. It's not necessarily that it doesn't exist. It's just that we... will not have enough information on most players to know whether or not it does exist. Yeah, exactly. This playoff choker until last year where he puts up a 925, including dummying the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, like, if you put too much stock into saying he's a playoff choker instead of the thousands of shots where he was really, really good, you would look like an idiot and you would have predicted his numbers terribly. Yeah, exactly. It's just one of those things where it's like, and there's so many cases of that too, you know, like the knock on Thornton and Marlowe for the longest time was, oh, they always choke on playoff times. And then they suddenly rattled off a a trip to the Stanley Cup finals and had that whole narrative kind of shut up, right? Like, it's just so many examples of that where it's like, there's definitely some cases where it's like, but even like the Capitals, it's like, oh yeah, this team just isn't built to win in the postseason. They always choke on postseason. They get so worried. And then they go off and win a Stanley Cup because... 
Turns out postseason trying to win 16 games is a bunch of random luck, especially when you add in the factor that absolutely nothing gets called in the postseason. So it's tough to win. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't put a lot of stock into that, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I said, it's not like, I'm sure there are some players out there who psychologically struggle more and psychologically do better in the playoffs or whatever. But like, we're never going to have enough information to know that, that I usually just say, just assume it's bullshit whenever I hear people talking about it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm assuming we both have the same top two guys. Uh, I'm assuming you have Bishop and Gibson. Yep. Yeah. Uh, did you have Bishop two and Gibson one or did you reverse them? Yeah, but uh, Gibson won. Yeah, okay. So we we had the same top of the list then. Uh, let's start with Bishop. Uh, I I think you could make an argument that he's been the best goalie over the past two years. Uh, I, I don't think it would be that hard to do actually, given that Gibson struggled a little more this year. Uh, but that being said, like we'll get to Gibson in a second. I think Bishop has just been, it's been really incredible. I was kind of I didn't like the contract that Dallas signed him to. I thought it was too long and I thought what he did in Tampa was because of the Tampa team but he's gone elsewhere and showed that it's not just that and Dallas is really good defensively too the the new system that they've kind of been playing but uh he's been a big part of that I think as well yeah exactly like the sort of defensive system in Dallas doesn't look nearly as good if they're not getting 930 goaltending last year yeah exactly and like he's been unreal again this year to the point where it's like he started off struggling and they started struggling and then they picked it up and suddenly they're in a playoff spot. So, uh, yeah, like I don't have a ton to say. It's just he's one of those guys where it's like he's really kicked a trend that I, you know, I like they signed him when he was, I believe, 31 years old to a six year contract. Yeah. And he was that six, six. I don't know what he weighs, but that coming down on his knees, you could see why that would scare you. Yeah, and there's still three years left on it to the point where it's like, yeah, maybe in two or three years that could still look ugly. But it's at $4.9 million, which really won't be that unreasonable if you have to just eat it for a year or so. Um, so that contract is definitely one that obviously contracts don't have an, a play in this, but one that really surprised me. But he's just been like unreal since getting to Dallas. And he, was, he wasn't he was a slouch in Tampa either. No, exactly. Like, he's just been solid. I expected him to fall off, but he has yet to do that. So he earns number two for me. Yeah, and then for John Gibson, uh, I think it was – I almost didn't have him one. I almost had him two or three just because I think he struggled a little bit this year. But that being said, like, he was hurt, I think, for a good part of this year and last year too. And he is one of those cases where you mentioned earlier where it's like with players playing a lot doesn't mean much. With goalies, it absolutely does. And John Gibson has just been – worked to the bone it feels like when he has been able to play over the past couple years so I think if you want to argue that he's not the best goalie sample size is the reason to do it because he's been hurt uh you know a couple times where he's played 51 58 60 52 40 over the past five years but like when he's played he's been the only reason the Anaheim Ducks are relevant yeah exactly like he has he was actively not good this past season and yet by goal saved above expected, he is the still the best goalie in the past four years with like a 23-goal lead on Bobrovsky, and then he doubles Ranta, who's three. Yeah, and like, yeah, like this year, this year his uh, save percentage was a 904, um, and his goal saved above average was a minus eight, which I think would put him... I don't even know. It, not good, obviously. But then yeah. last year, you look, and even his raw save percentage was only a 917. 
People forget that last year the Anaheim Ducks were in a playoff spot until Gibson went down. He was just dragging that team. And then he went down in, I think, December or January, and they fell to almost a lottery team. Yeah, because he was there. Like, he should have been got a lot more heart buzz throughout that season than he did. Yeah, and then, you know, three years ago, he was a 926 in the regular season with uh, over 60 games played, and four years ago, a 924 over 52 games played. So he's just been unreal, and he's definitely one where it's like, I think you could make the argument that someone like Bishop or even Leonard maybe for me is above him in terms of like right now just because of how poor of a year he had, but he's one of the guys, much like Frederick Anderson, where he has such a good prior history that I just have a hard time taking him off of one right now. Yeah, exactly. He's more extreme Freddy because his priors are even better. Yeah, exactly. So it's just one of those things where it's like, I, you know, maybe, you know, if he has another year where it's like, even if he's like the fifth or sixth best goalie next year, I think he'd probably fall maybe a spot or two down on my list. But uh, for now, I just can't take him off. Yeah, and that would be reasonable if he struggles next year. But and then again, to give him the edge over Freddy, he's 26, too. So he's younger than is he the youngest guy on this list? Probably. Uh, I had Vasilevsky who's a year younger than him, but other than that, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so you can come up with an even better rationalization to why he should be good next year, because he's much younger than a bunch of these guys. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely um, a guy where it's like, when he signed his contract, he's the same age as Hellebuck as well, um, but when he signed his contract, it was an eight-year deal, and you go, okay, you don't want to give goalies eight years, but... At the same time, you may as well give your 24-year-old stud goalie an eight-year contract if you're going to give any goalie an eight-year deal. So, Yeah, like that John Gibson contract has the potential to be the best surplus value deal in the league over an eight-year period. Yep, or at the same time, as with any goalie, if he gets another knee injury or something, it could be one of the worst over the eight-year period. Yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah, so, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think he, he definitely struggled this year. So I think if you want to make an argument that right now he's maybe not number one, I definitely think you could. But I mean, just going forward, if I, I feel so confident in his priors that I, I still have him number one. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, okay, that wraps up our list then. Uh, let us know what you guys think and if we had people too high, too low. Um, uh, if do you have anything else to say, Chase? Uh, no, I'm finally working on hockey stuff again, so I'll have something about predicting point totals for next year in a couple days. But yeah, there you that. go. So keep an eye, keep an eye out for that. You can find Chase on Twitter at cmhockey66. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sins and stuff. You can find this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts: Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay safe and have a great week.